there's nothing wrong There's a code of silence and it can't go on Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 5th, 2009. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Look at all the other sites I have up there on the front page. Bookmark them for future use because at some time in the future I'll have trouble with the main servers. This way you can always have another site you can download from and all the audios from. You've got CuttingThrough.Jenkness.com CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca there's also Alan Watt cutting through the matrix.ca and Alan Watt sentinel.eu. The last one is the European site, which has all the same audios for download, but it also has a lot of transcripts for print up written in the various languages of Europe. And for those who want to ha- try their hands at uh, translating, get in touch with me at Alan Watt cutting through at yahoo.com. Now, for those who listen regularly, I thank you for those who donate, I should say, because lots of people, thousands and thousands of people listen, and the stuff's spread all over the planet so fast, and many others copy up the stuff and take it and run with it, and I don't hear from them. So there's lots out there that use the material. There's even authors been, uh, that have written books using this kind of material. And um, I think that only one that's dependent upon a handful of people to constantly keep me going by donations and so on. Now, to help me along, you can go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, see the books, etc. I have for sale. Uh, that will help keep me ticking over, and donations as well. Within the U.S. and Canada, you can use PayPal, you can use personal checks. Uh, outside the Americas, you can use Western Union. There's, there's, there's MoneyGram as well. And some inventive people just send cash. But however it's done, I need the cash to keep going. It's expensive to keep all this stuff running. And believe you me, it's not something I would pick for a career or a job. It's just something that has to be done at this time. And for those who just get the disk passed around, there's lots of people who don't like computer, and so uh, other folk with computers can burn disks for them and pass them around. You can always get in touch with me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4, Estere, Ontario, Canada. Estere is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. P3E, 4N, 1. Now, see, this isn't a job. This is a necessity because we truly are going through, not my words, but the elites themselves, uh, they've said that this is the biggest change we're up against, the biggest change since the Industrial Revolution, maybe even bigger. Because it's a time when so many plans are brought together, plans that have been sort of stashed away on the top shelves at elites, uh, private uh, conference rooms and so on, and their private clubs uh, where they've discussed all of these issues, and they're all to the forefront today in mainstream media. Why is that? Because now is the time for change, this century of change. Changes which we will not like whatsoever, uh, very dictatorial type of changes as well. There's no democracy involved. In fact, the elite said themselves at the Club of Rome that they would bypass all democracy. Democracy was too cumbersome. There were too many competing parties, and nothing could get done. And of course, these boys at the top know what they want to get done, and democracy is simply in the way. Therefore, you simply bring a new system 
where it's called governance. Governance is a term that's used, and governance is truly uh, an order from the top-down society, a structural society, but they'll keep the pretense of democracy, some, some kind of facade going uh, for quite some time yet. But anyone who's got half a brain left can tell that we're under a completely different type of system already. I'll be back with more after this break. interview was interesting because it made me think, I said, this man has grown up 
in the aristocracy of Britain, the guardian class, as they call themselves. Sometimes they call themselves the Olympians. And they truly believe that it's their rights as the the privileged class to run the world. That was the, the old British precept that's never really changed. And in the circles that Huxley was raised, growing up, uh, he heard talks which which, which he'd never hear uh, mentioned in any newspaper on the planet. Talks about the people, the place of the people, um, inferior gene types were discussed back when Huxley uh, was young. Before before that, his, his father was talking about inferior humors. They thought it was just a strange humor you had, and then they found the gene later on, and, well, it's bad genes, you see. They're always finding a way to, to try and separate themselves, validate the separateness of themselves and the lower classes. And uh, being elitist always, uh, the, and planners with pool in governments, and people realize a lot of pool that, that occurs within governments comes from outside of governments. It comes from what Huxley called uh, the dominant minority. The dominant minority don't run for politics. They tell politicians what to do. That's just a, a fact of life. But, but when you see him in the Mike Wallace interview, you remember, too, that he is... He's been trained and brought up to be trained to remember always to whom he's talking. And he's talking to an American audience. Therefore, he, he's holding back, to, he's making it palatable what he has to say to the American audience by saying, well, this could happen. And he does give some valid illustrations like the Soviet system. He explains really what it is, and we all know what it really is. The Soviet system was, was run by a dominant minority of elites intergenerationally their families inherited the same positions the KGB for instance was, was always intergenerational you got your sons and your daughters into it that went right up right through its whole era intergenerational families but the same with the top guys up in the Politburo and the bureaucracies that's how it was run and he also said they lived uh, in a comparative uh, living standards with, with the, the western world these high level bureaucrats they had lots of money and uh, lots of goodies to buy that the public couldn't get a hold of, and that a very comfortable lifestyle. So therefore, it used a front of equality so that a small elite could dominate and live well off the public, which wasn't much different than, than the system really in the West, when you think about it. And... As I say, remember, he's putting this for an American audience. This same man had participated in high-level think tanks that literally planned the future. They already planned the future. So when he's talking about this could happen here and that under under, uh, the guise of helping people, especially in a society with vast communication, like television coming in, uh, a small minority could take over the minds of millions of people, especially, as I said, if it went the same way as the Soviets, where you just, no matter what station you turned on, you heard the same propaganda. He said it'd be so easy to control millions and millions of people. So although he's saying as a warning, he was also well aware that he and his, his kin to come 
would be using these techniques on the people of the West. Because, because Huxley and others were well aware of the Soviet experiment, more aware than other people. These are the guys who traveled over there to study it, you see, to see how it was working. And remember the Club of Rome uh, were the ones who said that they favored uh, commutarianism or, or, or the collectivism of, of what they meant was a Soviet system to run the world. That's what they planned. So in other words, the elite of the West were going to use the Soviet system down the road in the future, which is here, a socialized world, to best rule over the people. They actually admired how they ruled the people and managed the people. That, that ties exactly in with the Rees Commission, with Norman Dodds, sent out by the Congress to investigate the tax-free foundations, was told by the CEO of Ford and Carnegie and Rockefeller, etc., their job was to alter culture so much in the West that it would blend seamlessly with the Soviet system down the road, which here we are, it's here, you see, that merged into one. Planned that way. So Huxley was well aware when he was giving that Mike Wallace interview of where it was supposed to go, but they couldn't tell the public because the public weren't supposed to know that. We, we were still supposed to think we were fighting a cold war and all that kind of stuff. Everyone talks about the Soviets, and they don't talk about China. Why is that? Well, it's because, you see, under the GATT Treaty, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, uh, which, which really gave power for trading into a star chamber, literally a star chamber, a private star chamber, decides who can trade with whom, uh, all grievances between countries go through this star chamber. There's no jury. And China was awarded the most favorable trading nation status by Britain, the U.S., and all the other countries. China is a communist country. And once again, to show you the tricks of time and the tricks of creating fronts and perceptions in people, and, and again, even using the, the example of George Orwell's Animal Farm, where he's at the end of Animal Farm, the humans meet the rebel animals, and the, the, the pigs, of course, lead the animals. And the, 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 the humans, the farmers, say to the pigs, what a fantastic job you've done. We've been trying to get the, the animals to work for free for years. Well, see, that was the explanation of the Soviet system. And that's what's coming in here. China also, as I say, is run on that same system. You have a small elite on top. And I don't know if people realize how wealthy this small elite happened to be. I've seen magazines with these massive estates. They're, they're copying the old English estates where you have a, a, a sort of castle type affair with four or five hundred rooms. And they've got Greek statues on the top and all this kind of stuff. And they've got the grounds laid out like the 18th century the states of, of Europe and England, and uh, the incredible wealth that you cannot imagine. But these are very old families, old families that, that actually went through the communist era and still held on to power and still run China today. But isn't it odd that we supposedly went through an awful, awful era, many years, 
uh, of a Cold War. And suddenly we have China as, as in our most favored nation or trading status nation sort of thing. And no one asked why, what happened there. And literally, I can remember on the news when it was announced overnight that, that China would be trading with the West. And interviewed the, the man in the street in China, and he says, oh, you know, he said, uh, capitalism good uh, mixed with communism, capitalism good mixed with communism. And he got it right, didn't he? Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix. Discussing that what her happens today was discussed an awful, awful long time ago to do with uh, even the, the, the excuse they'd bring up for culling off the people, culling them down, getting them to accept uh, sterility or, or basically um, birth control, which could be done through mandatory means, etc., all that was discussed a long, long, long time ago with these groups that the Huxleys mixed in. And he talks on that Mike Wallace interview about, oh, the burgeoning population that will come down the road. And, and it wasn't just that. If you listen carefully to what he says, he, he mentions that um, it isn't just uh, birth control, it's also death control. We should be looking more at death control. He said, he said there's, a, there's too many people living too long too long, you see. And people don't realize he was taking part, and his group were taking part in world meetings around that time of that interview with the United Nations and the Department of Population Control. I always add the control because that's all it's about is control at the UN. And they discussed how they'd bring these policies in. And they even discussed which countries they could bring it into first and they even knew that they could do this probably with another communist-type system like, like either Russia or China. And that's why they were so interested in China. Now remember, communism was based on evolution. It's based on science, that science is king, and that they could create new types of humans, better types of humans to serve the system, serve the people. And they wrote books about it, how they could do anything by using psychology alone and, and types of indoctrination. You could create the perfect Soviet man. But also, they also went into breeding plans and, and processes too. Because after all science ruled, there was nothing else to hinder them. There were no religions to hold them back or complain. So they could go straight ahead with this great experiment and try all this stuff, you see. That's why, as I say, the Soviet-type system or communist system was chosen to be blended with the West because communism from its very inception was born in the West. It was born in London, England. And they called it again the Great Experiment. What do you do with an experiment? You study it. You study it outside where it's safer for you. In other words, those who studied it are already the elites of another type of system who have safely dominated that system and could study this system, go in and out and study it and still make sure they had somewhere to run home to if they had to. But 
they've taken all the lessons from all that Soviet, Soviet era. And remember, the United Nations has already declared that China is the model state for the world to emulate. Now, last night I mentioned Sir Crispin Tickle, a man with no sense of humor whatsoever. And the, I'll put a link up to an, a, a video that he did recently after going to China. And he says that uh, China is doing all the right kind of things and blah, blah, blah. And he mentions we couldn't... What he's trying to tell you is it's not quite time to implement the same mandatory policies. It wouldn't just take off quite right or, or right now on the West. It wouldn't just wash down right now. But that's what they're working for, is to get us all to accept a maximum of one child or family policy, the same as Australia. Now, remember, Tickle himself is another Huxley. Go, th uh, go through his genealogy. I gave the Wikipedia link last night. And he goes way back through the Huxley line, through, through the female side of his family. And he's just as fanatical as old Sir Thomas Huxley was, the best pal of Charles Darwin. And I'm sure he believes in all that too, uh, completely. Uh, that uh, the survival of the fittest and special people and inferior people. But he used to say, he, he, put, he puts China up as the model state of the world. Now, 20 years ago, you could not have come out and said that in public because we hadn't been conditioned to accept it. But we have been conditioned in the last 20 years. And that is, again, a technique used by the Bernese-type characters, the guys who, who give us cultures for each era. A well-known science amongst the few. After all, they don't want the public to know how it's done to them, how your thoughts are given to you, how your, the things that you fight about are given to you, the things you argue about, even your hobbies, are pushed on you and authorized from above. Like keep fit, go cycling, all that stuff. That all came from above. You see, for other reasons. These are authorized, safe pastimes for you. All coming from the top, from those who know how to create culture, update it, alter it, and swing it off in a different direction. And remember, too, when you want to make a massive change, a massive change from culture to culture, you must destroy completely the old culture. Everything that held it together and held the community together had to be completely and utterly destroyed. Everything. I mean demolished. And that's why, since the 60s onwards especially, there was a massive attack by a well-funded entertainment industry. And by that I don't mean just Hollywood, not only Hollywood, but all of the big media companies. To, come, to radically alter the culture in the West, destroy it, until often you can't tell the difference between males and females anymore by the way that they act or walk or curse and swear. It's got that bad. Or even care. Women used to be very caring. It's tough to find it now. You'd find lots of tough women now. What's happened? They were worked on. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. through the matrix, discussing the lineages, really, that come down through time. 
always with the same speciality in the family. It's never lost. They don't deviate off into another field of science or whatever. They're always into the same agenda as their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. And they also seem as psychopathic as the previous ones. Now, of course, if you're inbreeding psychopathy, then of course they're going to be psychopaths. That's something that uh, really Plato talked about, how they could create certain types for rulership, positions, rulership, people who would be stern, people who could make decisions rapidly and never regret making them. It's interesting, too, that to be a Rhodes Scholar, remember, a Rhodes Scholar is set up to go to... to uh, Oxford in England under a scholarship which is designed to create world leaders for a united planet and so on. Going back all the way to the Cecil Rhodes Milner group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And when you come out of a Rhodes scholarship, the doors open for you across the planet. You just walk through from then on. You're guaranteed leadership positions in different countries. But as I say, they use they like to use these big experiments, the great experiments, they call them. The United States was called the great experiment, too, to see if people could handle freedom. Handle it. Not just handle it, but hold on to it. Because if you look at history, there's always this dominant minority trying to take over again everywhere people go and grab all the wealth and the judicial systems, the legal systems, and run the politics. They're well, well aware of that in the 1700s. And therefore, it was up to the average person if he was ready to always fight for his rights. And I mean totally, completely fight in every means possible for his rights. Because otherwise, he'd lose them. And that's what the founding fathers basically knew. They knew. As Franklin said when he was asked what kind of uh, government the people had been given, and that's a very telling in itself, that the people had been given, they didn't take part in it, it was a small elect group of Freemasons that did it. And Franklin said, uh, uh, a republic, if you can keep it. That's what they meant, if you can keep it. Now, what the elite have always known is you swallow people a little bit, you let them uh, graze and be happy and not involved in, in what's happening in politics, and you can gradually take over again as they're grazing in the fields and having fun and frolicking and all that stuff. And that's what happened in the U.S. very quickly, in fact. And now you're seeing the end product as they go into this next phase of the totally controlled planet. Because the dominant minority in the U.S. have been running the U.S. for an awful long time now and pushing across the planet for this united world system. A planned society. A planned society with a planned population and even going all the way to what kinds of people they would breed exactly along the lines that Aldo Huxley wrote about in Brave New World. The ones that would breed, breed special people to serve them all the better, just like uh, Plato talked about in the Republic. Every one of these elitists loves Plato's Republic. They all mention that they, 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 it was their favorite book. Here's an article here to show you where it's going to, since China is the model state for us all to emulate. And this is from CNN.com, August the 5th. This is Chong, Chongguang, China, CNN. At the Chongguang Children's Palace, experts are hoping to revolutionize child-rearing with help of science. That's standard communism, you see. About 
30 children aged 3 to 12 years old and their parents are participating in a new program that uses DNA testing to identify genetic gifts and predict the future. When director Zoe Mingyu first heard about the technology earlier this year, he instantly knew it could be a success in China. Nowadays, competition in the world is about who has the most talent, said Zeo. We can give Chinese children an effective scientific plan at an early age. Now listen to this. It says the test is conducted by the Shanghai Biochip Corporation. A biochip corporation, eh? Scientists claim, I love how they claim things, a simple saliva swab collects as many as 10,000 cells that enable them to isolate 11 different genes. By taking a closer look at the genetic codes, they say they can extract information about a child's IQ, emotional control, focus, memory, athletic ability, and more. Then they say, well, for basketball, they can test for height and other factors, said Dr. Huang Xinghao, a leading scientist on the project. We're also test listening a uh, uh, listening ability to so they can tell us if the child might be talented at music. DNA testing has been used more widely to determine susceptibility to genetic disease. The test can identify mutations in the genetic code that can or, or can lead to certain disorders, allow parents or patients to assess risk levels and decide whether they want preventative treatment. Well, what they're telling you there is they already use it for abortions. That's also happening in the West. Your child might have this or it might have that. I've read articles here where mothers were advised to have abortions and their, their children were perfectly normal. I wonder how often that goes on, eh? So, for example, the test can identify cancer genes that may make a woman more likely to develop breast or ovarian cancer. May make. I love these, how they always give themselves an exclusion or an exclusive way to get out of it. Some women have decided to have a mastectomy based on DNA test results and family history. But according to Chinese scientists, this is the first time the test is being offered to children in China to help discover their natural talents. For about $880, Chinese parents can sign their children up for the test and five days of summer camp in Chongwing, where the children will be evaluated in various settings from sports to art. The scientific results, combined with observations by experts through the week, will be used to make recommendations to parents about what their child should pursue. Now, remember, under the Soviet system, they were the first ones to come out, too, with uh, school to work. That's what communism is about. To try and detect long before this article, years and years ago, they were talking about uh, they gave children IQ tests, etc., psychology tests, and they would decide if you were going to be a plumber or, or a teacher or a scientist. They've been doing that for an awful long time. So this is the latest part of their arsenal uh, is, is the DNA testing may be able to tell them uh, what your child should really be. But what a beautiful way, too, of, of uh, getting a planned society, isn't it? I mean, this way, under the guise of this, you can tell the public whatever you want according to your needs. You might say, well, for instance, we need another one million uh, paddy field workers for rice in 20 years so just tell uh, the next bunch that they, they're all they're all very low very low sort of great physical tough but peasants basically and we get all the paddy field workers that's how you can do it doesn't have to be true does it I mean, when has truth ever coming in come into eugenics never never ever 
And when does truth ever come into political mandates? It doesn't come into it at all. This is the planned society they're after here, where they can plan what they want. So many engineers, so many of this, so many of that. That's really under the guise of DNA testing. And, and again, it's a beautiful way out, too, because you, what do you do when you're low grade and you're, you're, you're given a job to sweep up the streets at night? Well, I guess nobody could help it. It was my DNA. It was my DNA. I got bad DNA. See, so you, won't, you won't blame the guys at the top that give you no chance. This blocked all your chances, in fact. They classified you with the class D or E or F stamp. It's down to fate, isn't it? Oh, well, just DNA. And you'll believe it. So as Dr. Hyang said, the testing can even help uh, project careers down the road. Well, as I say, China is a model state for the world. So shortly you'll be seeing it here. Now, it's wonderful, too, that they go on and on about the one-child-per-family policy in China. I read an article not too long ago where China had altered it for the wealthy families. They can have more than one child, which, again, is eugenics policy because you, why breed inferior types? According, you know, the Huxley said that, too, and, and Mr. Mr. Tickle's all about that as well. Why breed inferior types? Why not... I remember to Charles Galton Darwin, he said our biggest fear back in the 1950s, the grandson of Charles Darwin, he said our biggest fear, meaning the elite's biggest fear, was that the, the peasant class, the, the unworthy types, would outbreed uh, the better class. That was his biggest fear. They're all for this kind of stuff, but a great tool. Science has deemed you class F. Hmm. And, and then you're out. That's it. Now, since when should, should science... Remember, science is a self-interested body. And like all self-interested bodies, it tries to promote itself as being superior to everything else around it. And there's been so many lies told in science, and even within competing branches of science, all competing for the top powerful positions, that you can't believe anything they say, especially when it's to do with social policy. Should they be involved in social policy? No. No, they should not be involved in social policy. It's supposed to be up to the people, if we truly had any kind of democracy, to decide what kind of policies should be mandated over the people, over themselves. When you hand it over to so-called scientific elitists and specialists that are outside of your realm, you're now undemocratic because they have their own agendas according to what they've been taught. And all these sciences now that are on the boards of political boards across the world, parliaments and congresses and so on, advising them, are all taught the same stuff. Eugenics, the need to depopulate global warming, a man's a curse on the planet, he's a virus on the planet. That's their mandate. Which doesn't sound terribly scientific to me, but it's definitely an agenda definitely an agenda. They're all on board with the same pablum. And it is pablum. Pure pablum. I've mentioned before about other people who've talked uh, about the other evidence that the world is not warming up. And that man's got nothing to do with it. And geologists keep trying to talk and, and say, look, we're the experts in this because they study earth changes. They study 
the layers of rock and, and ice and snow and all the rest of it. And they can tell through many ice ages, many warming periods, and times when man wasn't even around. So man had nothing to do with it. But you see, that doesn't go well with the political agenda of depopulation, which is, which is really what this is all about. It's a political, eugenical uh, um, mandate. So facts don't count. Hype and fear and hysteria count, but facts do not count. Do you realize we're supposed to be under every, every little island in the Pacific and Caribbean and so on should have been underwater long ago, according to projections were given 30 years ago by the same characters at the United Nations? Oh, the sea levels are rising, the sea No, no, no. They haven't. Not, not only that, many of these islands have got big brand new hotels being built right now on the shores and beaches because nothing's happened. They haven't sunk. They haven't lost any of their land. Once in a while, you've got an island that will go down somewhere because it's volcanic. That's what happens after a while. They come up out the water and they go back down again. That's what volcanoes tend to do. But let's not bring facts into this, this equation. It doesn't work out with social policy by the eugenicists. There was a book published a while ago by a guy called Plymer from Australia, and I've read it before. But he talked about, he's got 60 academic papers on the subject of global warming. And he's got a book out called Heaven and Earth, Global Warming. The missing science draws together much of his previous work. It brings especially from a short history of planet Earth, which was based on a decade of radio broadcast in Australia. That book published in 2001 was a bestseller and won several prizes. But Plymer found it hard to find anyone willing to publish the latest book, so intimidating has have the environmental lobby become. They're completely intolerant. This bunch of the IPPC, or IPCC, the United Nations, all these guys, are not all scientists, by the way. One of the guys worked in a garbage dump. At the United, that's where he is now. He's working in the United Nations under these, as a specialist. Getting back to primary, he says, but, but he did eventually find a small publishing house willing to take the gamble, and, and the book has already sold about 30,000 copies in Australia. Plymer presents the proposition that anthropogenic global warming is little more than a con trick on the public perpetuated by fundamentalist environmentalists and callously adopted by politicians and government officials who love nothing more than an issue that causes public anxiety. While environmentalists, for the most part, draw their conclusions based on climate information gathered in the last few hundred years, well, it's not even that, is it? Plymer says, uh, it's just a... Um, Plymouth says have a time for stretching back many, his own geologists have uh, a time frame stretching back many thousands of millions of years. The dynamic and changing character of the Earth's climate has always been known by geologists. These changes are cyclical and random, he says. They're not caused or significantly affected by human behavior. Polar ice, for example, has been present on the Earth for less than 20% of geological time. Plymer writes, plus animal extinctions are an entirely normal part of the Earth's evolution. That's true as well. Plymer, by the way, is also a vehement anti-creationist as has been hauled into court for disrupting meetings by religious leaders and evangelists who claim the Bible is literal truth. So he, he's not religious either, this guy. He's a scientist. Plymer gets a special set of a carbon dioxide, its role in Earth's daily life, and supposed effects on climate of, of human manufacture of the gas. He says atmospheric carbon dioxide is now at the lowest levels it has been for 500 million years. 
and the atmospheric carbon dioxide is only 0.001% of the total amount of the chemical held in the oceans, surface rocks, soils, and various forms of life. Indeed, Plymouth says carbon dioxide is not a pollutant but a plant food, which it is. Plants eat carbon dioxide and excrete oxygen. Human activity, he says, contributes only the tiniest fraction to even the atmospheric presence of carbon dioxide. There's no problem with global warming, Plymer says repeatedly. He points out that for humans, periods of global warming have been times of abundance when civilizations made leaps forward. Ice ages, in contrast, have been times when human development slowed or even declined. See, that's what you have. If you've had so many ice ages, what happened between them? Well, they warmed. The planet warms between ice ages. Otherwise, you'd have one continuous ice age, right? But it's so wonderful that these fanatics at the top are going with a political agenda, and that's why they won't bring facts into the issue. And it's a political agenda dreamed up by others, including the Club of Rome, who say in their own book, The First Global Revolution, they looked for a way to, to, to unite the planet under a global governmental system. And they'd have to find a war of some kind. It's the only time we, we pull together, we'll do what we're told, we'll be government that can use a heavy stick. And it says, we came up with the idea of global warming. That would fit the bill. That's the words they use in their own book. They're the premier think tank for this global society of elitists. Back with more after this break. article was from the Vancouver Sun, uh, July 29th, 2009, on the geologist Ian Plimmer. It's well worth reading. Uh, I'll try and take a phone call now, uh, about three up now that the satellite's working again. Damon from Maryland, are you there, Damon? Yes, I'm here. Hello? Hello, yes. Hey, uh, I love your show, man. It's so great. I, I listen every day. Uh, I just had a very simple question. Um, I, you know, you bring out all these different things about uh, how everything is they, they're doing all this deception, you know, and, uh, and all this, these different things are all, you know, cloaks. But when is, you know, it's going to be obvious, you know, some, some how is it all going to ha- go down, you know, when, when, it's, when it's no longer a deception, you know, it's right in your face, you know, the guns, the black suits, the lights, the dogs, you know. I live in the, um, in the inner city in Baltimore. It's one of the worst, you know, ghettos in the world where death rates are like the death rates in Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, and it, it's just horrible. You know, I live where John Hopkins is. You know, I go to school there. Uh, we deal with SV40. We deal with uh, H1N1 right in the laboratory. I'm just a kid off the street. They just let you. They they train you with this biotech stuff. It's like they just give it away free. You know, you can you can you know play with viruses. You know, it's really crazy. You know, yes. and um, uh, it, it's just a disgusting place. You know, what I mean, really. it, it is disgusting. And I'll tell you too. Uh, you have to read the books written by uh, the guys in the culture creation industry because they, they look upon things as long-term. They actually know how long it will take for what they call a meme or an idea 
that they start off and push back through the media to be, before they, they know how long it will take before the general public and all the different classes will start to repeat it. They know exactly when, when the bottom class will start to repeat it, and that means that's when they're ready to hear more for the next phase and so on. And you've got to read the books by people like Bernays on propaganda. Yeah, I know about Bernays. I, I definitely look into all that stuff. I love psychology, uh, social control. Yes. Uh, I have a friend of mine goes to uh, John Jay in, I guess, New York, and they study that, and she's in corrections, and, you know, it, all, it changes our life. You know, she becomes like an authoritarian at home as well yeah. as at work, and it's really crazy. But when is it just going to be right there? Because I see they put men and women in the same jails now, like right in the same in the same bullpen. Men and women is like they're getting people used to just being locked down. And when is it just going to be like something has to happen to people that's going to? Oh, they will. I am sure. I'm positive. Uh, see, they have to. They're on a roll now on crisis creation, and it's building up to something. And when it's the right time, they will really give us something. And they, they're even looking for even up to 30 years of riots as they bring in this whole new order of depopulation, um, mandatory sterilization, etc. That's all on the cards, by the way. Abortion by the is just, it's 50% of black women get abortions. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And they use the placentas and makeup and, shit and stuff. I know. I know. Oh. I know. It's disgusting. Uh, the BBC did a documentary in China, The Model State, where you could buy a fetus in the back door of the abortion room and, and they're using it in soups and things to, for, for, to regenerate your virility. I mean, it's disgusting what they're trying to bring humanity down to, but the problem is it's working at the, at the bottom levels. When, Everybody's going to like, it, it, What's going to happen? Like, when is it just going to be a, a... Everybody's going to know and see it, like... Yes. Is it going to be It'll like... Be decision time. Red Dawn or something. When is it going to be... I mean, Hitler. When is he coming back? That's what I'm asking. That's it. That's it. And really, we've got to reclaim it one by one ourselves and start saying no to all of this, regardless of what becomes popular opinion. Popular opinion is conditioned opinion. That's what Bernie said. So we've got to take back all the rights by ourselves, for ourselves, and everybody's got to stand up and say no more. No more agendas. Unless the public are let in on it and we plan our own future. That's it for tonight, folks, from Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada. It's good night, Samir. God or your gods go with you.